You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Rudy Lindsay, Mike Pritz, and Kat Kalin. Phil Hayes St. Clair is not only an entrepreneur, but he's also a podcast host in Australia. I invited him on this episode because we uh, were talking previously about how the military prepares a lot of good individuals for entrepreneurship upon transition and the skills and education experience that they bring to the table translates very well and that's his background and so uh, in this episode we hit on that topic and try to delve a little bit deeper into what makes up an entrepreneur and what are the ways that you can be successful through this career path so I hope you enjoy it sit back relax and enjoy another episode of Mentors for Military yeah really good really good how you been good how have you been yeah good a bit, a bit crazy but good yeah, that's uh, well. Busy is always good. That means you're making more money, right? Uh, that's the <laughs> that's the idea, right? <laughs> I'd love to think that was true, but of course, you know, it, it, it looks can be deceiving. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, hey, that's the goal, anyway. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So, what do you? What do you actually? I know we're going to get into this, but what are you consulting in? Uh, management consulting, business consulting, so assisting organizations that are looking at improving top or bottom line results or finding um, synergies, opportunities through uh, process improvements, uh, lean exercises, um, better analytics, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm all over the place. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Basically, just to help an organization the end result hopefully is to cut cost and make more better top and bottom line results in some way. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Life of consultant, not easy, but, uh, better than not doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Cause you don't get paid for doing that. Yeah. I know. I know. I've been trying to do that for ages, but it hasn't worked out that no, way. No, it doesn't. Although <laughs> I do enjoy doing stuff. I have a lot of stuff <clears throat> I end up doing just about every week. <laughs> my wife seems to find lots of stuff for me to do on the weekends. Oh uh, yeah, I, I am I am stuffed up on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have actually um, speaking of business and consulting and all that. I mean, you've actually started multiple businesses, as I understand right. it, and then uh, sold those businesses. Or how has that worked throughout your time? Yeah, so most of them. Uh, most of them we've I've either wound up or they've sort of they've sort of run their course, or in one case it just didn't it didn't fire, so we just sort of packed it up. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, I think what I'm up to now, I, in terms of organizations, I've had a hand in starting, or I've started. I think I'm up to six. Okay. Um, and the ones that have been sort of ones that I've built from scratch because I thought they were really useful technology businesses is three. So. Uh, so yeah, I, I have a, a penchant for building stuff. What got you into the entrepreneurial spirit? And of course, you know, we're going to get into that a little bit here as far as what skills the military has, you know, that may come into the entrepreneurial field. Then for you, you came out as a, a military, uh, man yourself. You, you're a, uh, Australian army soldier, former right. uh, Australian army soldier. Um, and I, I know that a lot of military that are getting off active duty, carry with them a lot of the that kind of mindset of looking for opportunities within existing businesses and finding ways to refine them in ways like I do in consulting or 
in perhaps looking at new opportunities and creating businesses around that. And I've seen many do that, whether it's in um, the flip-flop uh, arena as it comes with Combat Flip-Flops, a company that is a veteran-owned ranger, uh, two rain, former rangers that started that company. Uh, or if it's in t-shirts, I've seen a lot of people go into the apparel business, whether it's shoes or different types of apparel. Uh, I've seen very uh, varied you know, business ventures through um, people coming off active duty. But what was it that all of a sudden got you into it specifically and uh, where you found that that's kind of your niche? Because it's not for everybody. No, I don't think it is. And that's right. I mean, former... Australian Army soldier. I mean, I left school having done cadets, uh, Army cadets at school, and was completely in love with the idea of service and of being a very proficient operator. Um, and, you know, from, from our point of view in Australia, when you were considered in the Army, I mean, it was to me, it was the exclusion of all else. Um, the Army for me was um, an infantry-focused pursuit. Um, and of course, you, you've spoken to people like Bram Connolly and other, other guys who have, who have gone into the, uh, into the SF arena and have done quite well. I've, for me, I, I left school. I went straight to the army. Um, I was an infantry soldier and my intention was actually to fly. Um, I wanted to be a Black Hawk pilot. That was the, the fleet that we had at the time. Oh, yeah. We still do to some extent, but not as much. Sure. Uh, just magical machines. And it was just, I was captivated by a very young age. I think my first, you know, military air show was the age of six and I just couldn't get enough of the noise. So I think it all sort of started at that point. But, right. you know, entrepreneurship for me, as I was reminded about three years ago, actually started when I was seven years old. Um, and it was around, you know, I was able to organize a bunch of people, you know, a bunch of kids around the neighborhood to go and steal their parents' gardening equipment. And then to move around <laughs> the neighborhood and convince owners of houses that somehow these, you know, this rat pack of, you know, eight kids would somehow fix their garden for 20 bucks. Oh, tons um, of kids do that here and start landscaping businesses on the side, essentially uh, work over the right. summers when school is out. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we were doing that in a neighborhood and making a fortune at age seven. Wow. Um, and, and I think the thing was that, uh, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I was hustling. And, you know, when it, <laughs> yeah. when, when, it when it came down to it, I think that the, the interesting thing, you know, when people sort of discover that, um, you know, I have a, a military past is that they think that they, they come with a mental model that is, uh, you know, quite precise, quite ordered, quite uh, command and control. Yep. Um, but the reality is that, you know, you don't get, you get to practice a different style of entrepreneurship um, when you're in the military and particularly when you start to specialize. You have a situation where, sure, there is orders and there are rules, but uh, I think we both know that when you get into environments that are you know, pretty unknown and can change very quickly, then you'll rely on training, but you'll also rely on um, you know what you're built in to make great decisions. And I think in, in entrepreneurship, the thing that I – that I'm driving quite heavily for in my part of the world and beyond is the idea that, that when you are thinking about transitioning from the military, there are two things that you should bring to the floor and not dismiss starting a company or building a company. And that is, you know, number one, the capacity for 
veterans to distill a problem down to its finest sort of part, you know, it's its core part and what the, the key challenge is. And the second one is the capacity to uh, adapt and make decisions as you see things evolve. Mm-hmm. From, my point of, from my point of view, uh, they're the two things that I admire the most in uh, everyone that I've ever worked with in the military and, and even the entrepreneurs who um, I've come to know and become colleagues with. Um, that's, the, that's the game they bring to the table. So, you know, I've been building companies a long time. I love doing it. I've built you know, small ventures inside bigger companies. And I think the real thing for me is that, um, you know, spending time in the military uh, can only complement that. Uh, it's it's a brave new world when you transition. I understand that. But, uh, man, is there some opportunity to get after. And it actually doesn't rely on you having deep uh, deep knowledge because if you have that appetite to learn, then you'll come up that curve pretty quickly. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there's we've talked about it in previous podcasts how there's different business models, you know, that the kind of way that you view strategy or that you view business or operations is slightly different, although there are a lot of similarities between the military and the private sector. And I think that's some of the skill sets that you're describing there that a lot of folks end up taking away. And and I've noticed, too, that those who end up um, who were in special operations, especially ha- have a different programming in terms of challenges, overcoming, being able to accept risk or measure risk and understand ways to mitigate those risks in some ways that they feel a better comfort level. Uh, and they think their way through those types of things where the conventional military, at least here in the States, may not necessarily as a leader go through those steps all the time unless they've been in those kind of combat situations where uh, they've had to rely on the that type of skill set. But in the private sector, you definitely have to understand how to measure return on investment, how to measure um, the risk, how to m- uh, mitigate those risks. And at the end of the day, of course, it's to make additional profit for the organization or for yourself if you're in business for yourself. Right. But I think the, you know, it's interesting because there's a there's the capacity for, for people who have a capacity to learn and have a high rate of learning, there is enormous opportunity because really when you're building a company and even consulting, whatever you're doing, you know, post military, this is a learning game and an adaptation game. So I think there was a statistic you know released sometime uh, last year or maybe the year before which said that you know people on average will have six careers um, in their lifetime if they were born in the 90s. Um, and so the, you, know, it, you should expect that there will be um, that there will be a fair bit of um, reinvention go on, but that reinvention is really just based on your capacity to learn. If, if you have a capacity to learn and to adapt, then you're a long way down the track of, of discovering you know what could be a really um, positive post-transition, career or set of careers. Yeah, totally. And, you know, when you start thinking, too, about as you rise up within the executive community, you know, what I found is that in a lot of cases in the private sector, typically uh, as you move up, you end up having shorter durations perhaps at companies because you're attractive to other businesses and either similar roles with uh, competing salaries, benefits, and those types of things, or you're you're actually looking to gain new skill sets or new um, management uh, requirements or you know levels of experience or something, maybe oversight of different areas that you're you're looking at. So in a lot of cases, as you move up, you may find that people are moving every two to five years 
anyway, regardless of whether they fall within that subset that you talked about of age group, as you end up moving up, you end up gaining that type of experience where people are going to want you and you're going to be a more hot commodity to those types of individuals or those types of organizations, I should say. Yeah. And, and look, I, I think that there's something really interesting about you know what people sort of sometimes refer to as a portfolio approach to work. Um, you know, there are people who uh, have one particular job, they they sort of stick to that job and that's what they're sort of waking hours consume them with, you know, aside from family. Um, and in many cases, you know, the most productive um, entrepreneurs and people who have come into this sort of area of company building, and when I say company building, I'm not talking about technology companies, I'm not talking about any particular vertical because everything is right for disruption, as you well know. Um, the reality is that when you have an interest in something else, you should be cultivating that interest at the same time you're doing something else in order to sort of increase that rate of learning. And, you know, the, the best entrepreneurs I've ever worked with, uh, and I've been accused of this on one occasion, is that, you know, you're always thinking about the next thing. Oh, absolutely. You know, you're always thinking, and they, As a leader, so, so there's something, be, yeah. Right, of course, of course. But I think there's, there's something about um, people feeling as though that's not okay. And I would say that is completely okay. Absolutely. You know, and that's something I used to challenge even my subordinates here in the private sector after I got out was that, you know, you need to be thinking about what's coming around the curve at all times. We we talk a lot out here in the private sector about um, change and how well, you know, are you are you able to take change and lead change and those types of things? Well, when you come out here within the private sector, it's the same type of mindset. You have to be able to adapt quickly and um, so if like to your point, you're then starting to think about leading indicators where you're evaluating things that are going to come around the curve that your team should be focused on, especially within the industry or in the area of focus that you're leading. Uh, and you get those leaders then that are focused on those types of things, then you're going to be now leading the marketplace rather than lagging behind in the marketplace. Right. Right. And I think uh, there there is a, an emerging theme as well that in order for people to be successful now um, and for companies to grow because there is such a, a massive attention on uh, or focus on people's attention and how well we can focus, um, you know, there is there is a, an evolving theme now where people really need to be sapping up as much information they can about whichever areas they're involved in and just continue to learn even passively. So, you know, podcasts like this, uh, you know, newsletters, People are producing so much content now that is rich and useful that the capacity to learn and free and free, right? Like it's it's not something you have to worry about going to get a college degree or postgraduate graduate right. school. And I've done both, and I think they're valuable and they stand, they sort of stand their place. But when it comes down to my sort of daily learning and just things I'm I'm vaguely interested in or or, or you know very very interested in, then you know everybody should have you know three to five sources that are coming at them that they've opted into that allow them to keep learning uh, every day because that that is one of those things that helps you become very prepared in the private sector. Um, and even in the, if you go into the public sector outside of military um, or even the not-for-profit sector, th th that is the consistent theme. Um, so the, the highest rate of learning is usually the thing that is going to get you, uh, you know, the, the best gigs and the best teams to work with. 
you know, um, because ultimately that's that's where you want to play. In the military here, at least in the U.S., we have a military occupational specialty that's been assigned. And in many cases, there are regulations that or pamphlets that actually describe within it um, the track that an individual will actually pro- progress to as they move through the ranks. And there may be uh, a, a one particular rank that ends up blending into what was four below or three peer group uh, type of skills that become one as a leader and so on and so forth. And along with that, in many cases, there's even documentation that says at a certain period within your military career, you should have X number of training uh, experience. You should have gone to these types of military schools, uh, you know, and these are based on historical data of your peer group of where you kind of stack up against your peers. And so you can say, okay, if I, if I'm an an E6 or a staff sergeant within the the Marine Corps, the army is an example, and I want to go on to be a sergeant first class or a gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps, that means that I know that at my point of say eight years in the military, if I want to achieve this, the average person has this much experience. How do I stack up now with all of those other individuals? Am I leading or am I lagging behind? And that's going to kind of tell me with my peer group how how well or how fast I'm going to get promoted. Well, in the private sector, you don't have those types of things. But as we're talking about kind of the transitional thing too, you need to give yourself enough runway so that you're evaluating what your passion is and thinking about, to your point, Phil, what are the things that you need to focus on in terms of experience and education so when the time comes, you're now leading or even with that peer group and you know your peer group because you've even done the the type of background and knowledge to know who your peer or com- competitors are going to be if you're going to be an entrepreneur or, uh, in that case. But if you're just going out in the private sector to go into current industry and current jobs, you, you need to know who your peers are. You need to know how you stack up and you need to know then what positions to apply for. All that happens because you know the education, the experience and all the elements that, that are needed up front and you've prepared the way. So when that time comes, you've made a successful transition. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I would add one further point, which is you need to be able to know uh, yourself how you translate, right, oh, yeah, into absolutely. that kind of area. Because, um, you know, the, I think the thing is that most people, uh, when they come out of the military, and even even people who are in the private sector who have been in a particular vertical you know, their, their whole life, right? So if somebody's been, uh, you know, an accountant, and I'll use that as a sort of a bland example, but accountants are, are important. Uh, I guess when it comes down to it, th- those those people will think they know what they're really good at. But when you're going into a transitionary period, whether it's into a different industry, becoming an entrepreneur, uh, or coming out of the military, the idea about um, understanding what you are really good at, yep. and how you and what you what your A game is 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 massively important because you know, sure, your CV will be fine, you'll apply, you'll put the right words on the page, but when you get in front of that first person, or if somebody's referring you into some other place, which is obviously how many jobs happen through relationships, um, you need to be able to provide them with sort of that one or two lines that sort of sells you in immediately. And one, one way to do that, uh, which I learned from a, a New York-based uh, serial entrepreneur, is you know he says, which I followed a couple of times and, and offered this advice to my mentees as well, you should go to the five closest people that you trust and give them permission to tell you what you what they think you are really good at and also 
in the same conversation for them to tell you what they think you are really bad at. You know, it's funny. We had a previous podcast a few weeks back where uh, Jason Dickinson and I talked about who are the five people that you're surrounding yourself with in the first place that are right. going to lead you to the next level. And do they have those skill sets and wherewithal? So that's the first step. If you can identify those five and then to your uh, point, then you go and to ask those five people to truly give you that type of assessment and speak openly and honestly about your capabilities and whether you have gaps. I, I right, couldn't right. agree and more. It's all yeah. It's all about giving them permission though, right? Because the yeah. idea about you know me calling you and say, hey, listen, Rob, I think you're great at this. I might be saying that just to make you feel good, but I might not feel so good about telling you what I think you're not great at. Yeah. And so when it comes to that, that just gives you a point of self-awareness that you can then actually start building um, a picture of yourself that you can then start sort of shipping out to other people because the reality is the perspective you have of yourself, no matter how competent an operator you are oh, or how agile. junior an operator you are, yeah. it, it will, it will be, it'll be very different to what other people are seeing you and they will see opportunity in that and that's where the, that's where the opportunity for you lies oh, in I my love, view. I love how you said too that you've got to give permission because the truth is you first have to recognize uh, and and know that you're going to probably receive information that you're going to work on and it's not going to be it's not going to be sugar-coated it's not going to be necessarily pleasant there may be a lot of bad uh, or things not necessarily uh, I wouldn't call them weaknesses but there there may be areas that you need to improve upon but if there are areas that are considered a flaw uh, within your character within um, how you're approaching things um, or whatever have you the, these known fatal flaws basically have to be you have to be willing to accept that kind of feedback and and realize right. that it is a fatal flaw that needs to be reversed as soon as possible you know in order for you to be successful right and i think the the one other thing i would add to that is and i know that I, i've heard you speak on this podcast before about the way that or the, the importance that language plays in um, making that transitions. So when I was at business school, uh, I was uh, I met a guy who um, uh, former major in the specialist service here in Australia, uh, and his point of view to me was, you know, I'm I'm coming here um, because I want to learn the language. I want to learn the language and the vernacular that goes with uh, communicating and, and participating in business because my vernacular is exclusively military, and whilst that will get me so far. It would be a little bit like me landing in China and expecting to sort of live from day one with, you know, not having had any language or cultural training whatsoever. So, you know, the, the way and the importance of uh, just getting exposure to the language of business, the language of company building, and it's not sophisticated. It's not, it's not a, it's not a mythical kind of language and it's certainly not foreign. It's just something you need to surround yourself in. So that you can hear how business actually takes place. And that's, that's usually done best by, uh, in the first instance, uh, doing internships where you can just get exposure to companies that you never thought you get exposure to just to sit there and participate in some cases, but just really listen to how business is done every day. And just getting a sense of exposure for that. I was very fortunate when I came off active duty. Um, I happened to know somebody who knew somebody, kind of thing, that was working at an, a company, and they recognized the skills that I could bring, and actually asked me to come in as as a contractor slash consultant 
Um, I didn't get paid a whole lot necessarily, but I didn't care about that because my goal was to do exactly what you just described. I figured, you know, I thought that I knew a lot about the business place. I just recently received my graduate uh, degree before I exited in business administration. So I had an MBA walking out the door and I thought, okay, I, I know quite a bit. I'm ready to jump in. And then I started, when I started comparing myself, as we were describing about, um, it was the perfect opportunity for me to go in and say, all right, um, I'm not really sure what area within a company I want to go into, whether it's information technology, whether it's in data analytics, whether it's in operations, whether I had a kind of a feel of what I wanted to do. But it gave me an opportunity to watch not only how the business communicates with one another, how I communicate with them, how they communicate with me, and which areas I could apply my skills and knowledge to the best within that organization in order to help them improve, which by the same token would help me improve and allow me growth. And that's exactly what happened. And uh, I was able to to get a full-time position within that company. So it may not necessarily be an internship, but it may be that you go in at a uh, in some other type of format or role, whether it's a consultant contract type position or something of that nature that gives you that exposure to exactly what you're describing it's so valuable, so valuable, and it allows you that transition yeah. period as well. So, so here's an interesting part of this story, and this this is something that um, I look back on as being some of the the, the most fun I've had working. Um, you know, I, I applied for um, special service officer to go and fly um, here with the Australian Army uh, five, uh, four times. Uh, each time there was there was a different issue that sort of threw up, whether I didn't test well or then there was a, a height challenge that I had to get a whole bunch of uh, measurements done, and it just it just went on and on. But I was I was convinced that I would end up um, flying uh, some some kind of machine um, in the military, and I was that was I was hell bent on that objective. When I finally passed all this all the required testing. Um, and was literally packing to to head down to uh, start the first of those courses, I got called back by the ophthalmologist to be told that I had an eye condition that I previously didn't know that I had um, that rendered me unserviceable, and a matter of weeks later, I was then discharged. And it was one of those sort of, um, you know, it was, it was one of those moments which was just um, heartbreaking for anyone who, is, sure. who has been discharged unexpectedly um, uh, through through any any means uh, or has had to have a, a life-changing event like that, particularly when you're quite young and you haven't got a lot of experience to sort of fall back on, it was absolutely devastating. And you're not and prepared no to leave. In mind. You know, it was – Right, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah. not. Um, and, and so when it came down to it, I, I had to find a job. And I saw an ad in the paper, which sounds weird now, but it was almost 20 years ago, um, for – you know, to go and answer phone calls in a banking contact center for a big bank here in Australia to us to basically, you know, answer people's balance inquiries for their accounts because there was no internet banking and it was all very, it was all very manual. Um, and that dating me, I know, but it was one of those things where I came in and I was, I was literally for six or five or six hours a day because it was sort of part time. I was taking calls, I was getting paid, but I started to learn what a lot of people in in business often forget and that is you know the voice of the customer right and i was able to speak with people every day and, and you know help out people who were completely clueless through to people who were you know very concerned and you had a chance just to sort of understand 
what that business was there to do at its, at its fundamental level in terms of serving customers. And I got to understand very quickly how, you know, how all the commission structures worked and how I could make more money and, and, and started to get very good at sort of gaming that system appropriately, but I still gamed it um, pretty well. And it was one of those things where uh, I've now made it a priority in any business I'm involved with to be as close to customers and users as I can because that's where you get the most insight. Yeah. So for there are people out there who are wondering what their next step should be if they're if they're actually thinking that, you know, I, I really don't know or I have grand ambitions. Don't forget that there are some really humble first steps that you can take that no one is going to call you on. It's going to be something that's going to give you possibly the most essential grounding in the private sector that many people just think, you know, you go to a, a very tall building you you know engage in meetings you do stuff and then at the end of the day you go home or you travel or whatever else don't forget that at the fundamental core of all of this is somebody who is prepared to pay you money for something and if you can get the you know as the old adage goes um the person who is closest to the customer wins and that is probably the most important part of uh, of that transition that i had because now i know uh you know how to how to have a conversation how to troubleshoot um things for people that um, that ordinarily, uh, you know, just come in feeling quite helpless. Uh, and that was, that wasn't a military skill, right? That was just the desire to learn. You know, when you, you started talking about the voice of the customer, it got me thinking about a couple of different things. I mean, there's everybody at some point is a customer. You're purchasing something from someone or an organization, uh, whether it be, you know, through Amazon, you're ordering uh, items uh, through there or you're going down to your local, you know, stores, grocery stores or whatever the case may be. So you understand the customer experience. You understand how it is or, or what your expectations are at certain areas uh, or, or uh, facilities or stores or whatever the case may be that your expectation level is, well, that's the voice of the customer. I think what a lot of organizations fail to understand and even entrepreneurs is that they can't assume that because they've had certain experiences that they understand the customer base, they actually need to get to know other customers and that customer base so they can truly capture the voice of the customer to make sure that they're delivering a product, goods, or service the way the customer expects it to be. And that's then the critical to quality steps. You know, we've kind right. of talked about those in, in past podcasts as well. So I, I think too, uh, if you understand the customer experience, that is the gold mine, I think right now, because a lot of organizations have um, still forgot about that. I think they're, they live uh, very well off of uh, making decisions that end up just happening out quite well but they don't understand the customer experience. So they may end up delivering uh, later and rubbing the customers the wrong way through abrasion of how they, the transaction of the finances or through the delivery of the product. It doesn't arrive in, in good shape when it comes in the box or, you know, whatever the case may be like that. And um, they lose sight of that. And over time, then that customer abrasion starts impacting that top line, that bottom line result. Right. I mean, you know, we're getting into sort of entrepreneurship territory now and sort of, you know, things around products and the like. But uh, can I tell you one business that I know I'm never going to get to build yeah, because we'll I don't have the time, but I would love to see someone build and particularly someone from this podcast uh, who's listening. There is a massive opportunity and I can't tell you how big this opportunity is around being able to be a person or a group or a team 
um, or a technology that is able to go to every single touch point of an organization and review on behalf of the customer, no, sorry, on behalf of the business, how well each of those touch points is performing and to give a view back to that business because when business gets hard, typically the first thing that suffers is the external facing yes. actions. Yeah. Right? So if, if there is somebody who listens to this and thinks, actually, you know what, I could do this, what I'm talking about is if you are if you are providing a software product and there are three different ways you can buy it, six different ways you can get serviced by it, uh, ten different experiences you have while you're using it, I can almost guarantee you that whoever's building that product doesn't know how well that's performing in each of those different touch points and would pay a fortune to know how to improve it. And the first step, the only step you would need to do is to provide them with what's actually happening today. So if there is somebody out there doing, who wants to do that, I'm very happy to mentor them through that process. <laughs> Great. And there's actually um, many occupations or really many opportunities that are around that because if you understand data and analytics, you're going to discover a lot of the points because anytime you make a widget, especially if we're talking about widget making, there are going to be steps within that process. They're going to be measured, whether it's time, whether it's um, you know, raw materials or whether it's the process steps that will allow you to be able to equate to uh, throughput, um, cost, uh, delivery, time, everything can be captured in there. And to your point, even quality aspects out of it, uh, you know, so. Yeah, I, and I think there's there's real opportunity. It's a lot of what I do today, as a matter of fact. You know, through my knowledge right. of being out uh, out of the military within the private sector and and growing within the private sector uh, to various levels, I was able to experience more of a broader and deeper uh, vision within an organization. The faster that you can get to that is is the better off you're going to be. Uh, most Absolutely. definitely, you know, if you're very isolated within an organization and myopic in your, your perspective, you're not going to grow not only as an organization, but you're not going to grow as an individual. You're going to be identified very quickly as an individual that doesn't see the strategic vision of the organization and can't see grasp the, the full end to end, uh, breadth of the organization. So, uh, that right. is a very important skill set to have regardless of whatever organization or type of industry you're going into. That's it. And I think the, the really interesting thing about that is if somebody wanted to do this today, uh, they could literally go to any business that sells a product. They could review the actual experience that they go through to, to find, you know, to, to buy a product and just document that and then send that back to the company and say, listen, we'll, I'm so-and-so, I've just reviewed this for you. Um, here are the, the top three things that I've found uh, and we should talk because, you know, the, the rest of it, which you'll find really interesting, is, uh, is, is it will be $1,000. And you'd be really surprised about how important that is to companies who just can't find the time to do it because, you know, any, any large marketing agency will tell you, tell you that they can do that for you, but you're not going to pay hundred grand to get that done. So, you know, if, if someone is seeing that opportunity, then get after it because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big opportunity around the world. What do you think is the biggest takeaway that an individual needs to have that's um, considering going into the entrepreneurial field and, and they're wanting to create their own business? I mean, there are, there are tons of information that's available over here on the Internet uh, from, from the Small Business Association that the government runs and stuff like that. 
to be able to help. There's even organizations that are uh, supporting military personnel that are wanting to start their own business that'll help them from creating a business plan and all, you know, all the way through to uh, the legal aspects. And it's a great program that's here within the U.S. It may not be available within Australia, but my, my bigger question is there's that core individual piece that we've talked about a lot throughout this podcast of the skill sets and the mindset and the wherewithal that an individual may have. If you were to shape and size that person up, kind of describe them, what does that person look like? So it's an interesting question because there's a, there's a couple of different facets to it, but you've asked for the sort of the one thing. Um, the, the one thing that, is the most important, I guess, philosophy to engage with here is the idea that whatever you're thinking of building or creating value or the habit you want to create for the people or the value you want to bring, it will be wrong in your mind. Whatever, whatever thought you have, whatever product you think you want to build, uh, until it gets to a point where you can start getting real and unbiased feedback, it will be wrong. And so that is the, that is the travesty of uh, entrepreneurship, right? You, you will see an opportunity in, in some aspect of life and, and you know, pick whatever opportunity you see. As soon as you see that opportunity, all of your experiences, whether it be military, non-military, um, using an iPhone, using an Android device, all the biases that you've had built into you will take you very quickly to a solution orientation. It will say, I know exactly how to solve this problem. And then before you even have had a chance to consciously break it apart, you've already formed in your mind the picture of what this thing is going to be that is going to solve all these problems. And th that happens quicker than most people probably appreciate it's a subconscious working on all cylinders and no one is uh good at nailing that first time round. the thing that i would be saying to people is um i would the, the, the way that i would see uh somebody being really productive in this is that they come in with a with a very insatiable appetite for learning and evolving as they see what's in front of them and they know that whatever v1 is is just that it's version one it's not the solution it's not the business plan it's not um it, it will never be uh, out of the box exactly what it needs to be because um you know customers and users uh tend to be um very forthright in their point of view and because there's so much at our fingertips now through mobile devices and the internet and everything else, and that will only increase, um, people's attention, people just don't have the attention to, uh, to sort of engage in whatever the first version of what you have is. And so the person just needs to be somebody who evolves and learns extremely quickly. That's probably the, the, the key number one piece. I, I would, I would recommend for people who are really interested in this to rust themselves on to the, to people who are just really well known. <clears throat> Excuse me for for building stuff like this. You know, there is a podcast at the moment by uh, Reed Hoffman, who's the founder of LinkedIn. Uh, you know, partner at Greylock, and he it's called Masters of Scale, and he he basically puts his philosophy of building companies, um, you know, in a podcast which is ridiculously digestible to to take on board, 
as all the lessons that you have. And it's just really up to the person to, to be self-aware enough to know, actually, no, this guy knows what he's talking about. I'm going to need to sort of listen to what he's got to say. Um, I'd also be suggesting to people that they should be looking at people like Gary Vaynerchuk out of uh, New York City, who is just the quintessential New York hustler, um, who just knows what hard work means in the private sector. And he gives a bunch of stuff away online for you to learn from. And then the, the final piece is go and get yourself a mentor um, and get somebody who, who can be truthful and honest with you about what your ideas are, um, but, you know, allows you the, the, the scope to learn and not is going to, and won't give you all the answers. Uh, I mean, right now I've got nine mentees um, that I work with um, and we connect on Slack. They check in with me whenever they need to, to ask me questions about every stage of the companies they're building right from idea stage, right through to really interesting, you know, growth and development. Um, and it's a real pleasure to sort of pass that knowledge on and to pay it forward. But the reality is that the only reason I can provide that is because I had mentors to help me really early on. And without the learning that I've done, you know, I wouldn't be a mentor to others. So that's, that's how I, that's how I put it to you, Rob. No, I love that. That's great. And, and, you know, along with that, I think when you're evaluating what it is that you think is, um, you know, that you're going to bring out to the marketplace and understanding that it's the first iteration and won't always work. I think you have to understand the speed to market element of it and that customer and technology are going to evolve uh, faster probably than your decision making. So you're going to have to, Constantly be learning on the fly, and that's the point where I think the mentorship and the other, the five people that you're surrounding yourself with, the knowledge that you're gaining yourself and how well you're growing and how quickly you're doing that, that's all the more reason because what you thought you may produce out there in the market is going to be growing so fast that if you're not keeping up with that, when you do produce something, you may be behind the power curve. You're not leading anything anymore, and your idea isn't that successful. And that's where a lot of people go out here and lose a ton of money uh, investing into something that's already outdated. Yeah, and look, I, the only thing I would say is that whilst technology will continue to accelerate, the thing that doesn't accelerate is the take-up curve for products and services, right? So people will say, look, you know, there's, there's massive growth in particular sectors, Yes, there is, but for the main part of the population, right, the people who are not the, the early adopters, um, you know, people who, uh, are just, who are just living um, very productive lives and happy lives with their families and everything else, which represents, by the way, you know, 80% of the, of, of the population in most countries, um, their level of take-up for all the things that are going on is much slower than what, um, what people give it, give it rise for. Uh, I think I saw a chart the other day that said something like it took 25 years for uh, most of most American homes to have a clothes dryer. And, and I think right? the same so, is true for TVs, uh, television as well. Uh, it took yeah, exactly. Now, right. just, be, just, be, just because it's cheaper and because there's something out there and you hear these things like, you know, augmented reality and virtual reality. Sure. That's, you know, that technology's coming along, but it's a ways off, right? So don't don't feel as though it's all got to be tech. Think about the stuff which you can see in front of you every day that is causing people grief because that grief is the opportunity. And that, that's right. That grief is money. That's money right yeah. there. You're seeing dollars flying whenever you're able to actually see things slow down well enough and notice that around you. And that's the exact same thing we were talking about. Even if you're within an organization and you're uh, observing what's going on 
within that company, if you're able to see those clear opportunities of the angst that's being caused within the organization, that's money in your pocket. You can now start right. articulating that, sharing that knowledge, and it'll it'll end up uh, helping you as success wise. Well, you have a podcast as well, Phil, and I want to make sure that you know the listener base understands how to find your podcast and listen in on a lot of great information because you typically invite um, very successful guests and you pose to them five questions and it's really profound. So please, please give a, uh, information on how they can find out more about you and, and your podcast as well. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. So look, I, I think um, I have a personal mission um, to increase collective wisdom, right? The idea is that Everybody in the world who is of an age that has to make decisions about their families, about their communities, about business, about, you know, military, anything at all, it relies on the knowledge that comes from other people as much as your own decision making. And so the only way I think that people can, can really learn and accelerate that rate of learning, which I'm very passionate about, is by you know, listening to what others have been through so that you can hopefully accelerate your path and also, I guess, not make the same mistakes that they have. So I built a podcast a little while ago. It was a complete accident, um, and it's it, it became known as Founder to Founder. And so I ask founders who have built incredible businesses, uh, men and women from around the world who have just done really interesting stuff, um, and and really you know gone through the roller coaster that is building a company. And you know we record it and put it online. It's it's on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. But let, let me let me put this to the to the audience for you know if there is somebody who is transitioning or who has transitioned and is looking for sort of, I guess, uh, I'm going to call it a micro-mentor, right, where you just need to throw questions up to get answers to some things, maybe get access to different resources. Um, I want to say to anyone listening that you should feel free to hit me up on Twitter. My Twitter handle is PhilHSC, PhilHSC, and that will take you, uh, you know, let me know. I'll bring you in and, and show you how I how I talk and help other folks who are both veterans uh, and others who are just coming in wanting some help with company building, uh, and I'll help you any way I can because I think you know economic development in most developed countries is actually going to be driven by entrepreneurs in the future. So um, if I can help, then do that. But if you want to just check out the the podcast, uh, just visit founder to founderpodcast dot com, and you'll find all the episodes there. It's a bit of fun. Yeah. No, that's great. And I and I think again you share a lot of information within those podcast episodes that'll be very valuable to the individuals and thank you for offering your micro uh, mentoring to any of the listeners and I'm sure that quite a few of them will take you up on it because there are a lot of individuals that are are either currently entrepreneurs on active duty. I've met quite a few of those as well that while they're serving on active duty, they started businesses on the side that they hope will launch and be successful by the time they make the transition and they may have questions. And then there are those individuals who are trying to develop that plan, may have some ideas that they'd like to bounce off of you and and see, uh, does any of this make sense or can you lead me in the right direction? And I, I think this is one of the great things I love about uh, the Mentors for Military podcast as well is that we uh, we try to give back, and I think you find individuals like yourself who are willing to give of your time and service in order to help mentor other individuals and share your knowledge so that other people can, um, you know, by imparting that can grow and be successful. And I, I think that's kind of the uh, our purpose, and it sounds like that's kind of the founder right. to founder as well as being able to pass on that knowledge. I mean, and 
you know, it's it's great that we were able to have the successes that we've had or uh, be able to also witness some of the failures uh, and live through those uh, that we can then share the ups and downs uh, with individuals. Because there's, right. there's and, plenty of bad that goes along with the good, mind you. Oh, yeah, but they're just, that, that's just learning, right? Uh, I think <laughs> yeah. that, 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 that's all it is. Um, it, can, it can be messy at the time, but it's, you know, it's essentially learning. That's and, what I always try to tell um, myself. I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, well, you've got no choice, right? Like it, <laughs> you, you, you're learning. That's, that's the productive thing. I think um, the, the only thing I would say is that, you know, I've, I've had a lot of the folks that come onto this podcast, you know, very competent aviators, SF community members, um, you know, people who are in all the different uh, cores across all the different parts of military, both uh, in the U.S. and, and further abroad. Uh, you know, I was a, an infantry soldier who had ambitions to retire a professional soldier and um, had my eyesight been better, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah. Um, we, would, we would be – I would still very much be doing that job because I loved it and, and I miss it most days. Um, but – the the life that has been able to be be created off the back of um, that experience and just sort of learning through building companies um, has been yeah absolutely extraordinary. So if people are sort of thinking and feeling a bit hopeless about what's next if they're in that sort of on that transition path and they're not clear, um, I think there've been plenty of people on this show who have sort of shown there is a very clear path uh, to go to. But like I said, you know, if, if I can help, hit me up. It's not a hollow request, and I know you're the same. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're here to help wherever we can. So just do it. I mean, you've got nothing to lose. Well, every person has a story and, and within that story is going to be knowledge and information and wisdom that's going to be, you know, uh, that somebody can glean something from. And, and if nothing else, it's just a simple life lesson of not making the same mistakes or it's about following the same a similar path that might fit your passion or whatever it may be. But if people would just take the time to communicate with one another there's a lot of learning opportunities because people have uh, had successes and struggles along the way. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I think there, are, as we mentioned before, plenty of podcasts that are out there that can share that kind of information. I hope they'll look your information up and your podcast up. Um, certainly this podcast will continue looking for mentors like yourself that are out there that can impart the knowledge and, and help others grow. And thanks, Phil, for, for coming on the show. You bet. Anytime, Rob. Great to talk to you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. Hey everyone, Robert here. I love supporting veteran-owned companies, and Mentors for Military recently partnered with Skeleton Optics to offer a 10% discount to our listeners. That's right, 10%. These aren't your regular run-of-the-mill sunglasses, by the way. The frames are handcrafted in Italy with Zeiss Vision lenses. Use the code mentors for mil or mentors the number four mil at skeletonoptics.com, and you'll receive your 10% discount automatically at checkout. Hurry up and get on over there to support a veteran-owned company.